The world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is lost. For none now live who remember it. It began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarf lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men, who above all else desire power. For within these rings was bound the strength and the will to govern each race. But they were all of them deceived, for another ring was made. Deep in the land of Mordor and the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others. And into this ring he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness, bind them. One by one, the free lands of Middle-earth fell to the power of the ring. But there were some who resisted. A last alliance of men and elves marched against the armies of Mordor. And on the very slopes of Mount Doom, they fought for the freedom of Middle-earth. These words are from the beginning of J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Lord of the Rings. And why begin a Christmas homily with these words concerning a ring of power? Other than the fact that they're freaking epic words. Why not talk about joy, love, peace? Why are we talking about Mount Doom, the Dark Lord, the ring of power? Well, first of all, because I don't see a whole lot of joy, peace, and love in our world. I see a lot of hatred, anger, division, meaninglessness. And second, because I believe what Tolkien said is right. That the single greatest danger to humanity is our will for power. Our lust to dominate other people. You see it in government. You see it in families. You see it in marriages. I get my way. It destroys everything. It outweighs all our other desires and causes all of our problems. And everyone's afraid of losing their power. And they'll do almost anything to keep it. But we have all been deceived, as Tolkien says. The will to dominate, this desire for power, it's not from God. In fact, the more we desire power, the more we'll be ruled by something else. And the darker we become. He says it comes from another source. He calls him the Dark Lord. We call him the Devil. And he pours all of his malice, all of his spite and hatred into this desire. And then he hands it to us and says, this is your remedy for all of your problems. Like government is going to fix all of our problems. Like we humans, like we're going to fix all of our problems. He knows that the more we give into this desire, the more we give into him. And the more we give into him, the darker the world becomes. You guys, this is not a fairy tale that Tolkien made up. Yes, there are dwarves and wizards and elves, but it's the story of us. That's why I love The Lord of the Rings. If you haven't read it or at least watched the movies, you're a terrible Christian, okay? 
Because everything is in those books. Like, all of the human drama is in those books. It's true. And it affects all of us. You know, a while back I saw a poster... And it had a slogan on it. And the, the, the picture was on top, there was a picture of Santa. On the bottom, there was a picture of Jesus. And it said, in regards to Christmas, it said, keep the Mary, like M-E-R-R-Y, right? Keep the Mary, lose the myth. As if Jesus is something made up. As if evil is just a figment of our imagination. We see it everywhere. And you guys, I don't know about you. But the more we keep moving in the direction we're moving, the heavier it gets. The more you feel the darkness. This is not made up. This is real. And Jesus is the only one since the beginning of time that has given us any type of remedy that's new. God's remedy, though, is not what we would expect. What we would expect is that God would produce, and this is what the Jews expected, and even what the apostles expected, that God was going to produce somebody so powerful that they would overthrow all of the governments, all of the tyranny, all of the dictatorships of the entire world. That was the Messiah, the warrior king. But that's not God's way. God does it in a way that is actually the opposite. Because he knew the only way of getting us out of this mess was to physically show us how to live. And this is why Isaiah writes, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. On those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. What is it? It, The light is a, a new concept, a new idea. And this new idea is concerning power. And we can see that this this new idea, this thing that God's going to do, it doesn't bring pain and destruction like worldly power. It brings joy. Listen, Isaiah goes on. You have brought us an abundance of joy and great rejoicing for the yoke that burdened us. You have smashed every boot that trampled in battle, every cloak rolled in blood. You have burned in flames. What's the prophet saying? The old ways of achieving power have been done away with. We don't have have to have war anymore. We just have to change the way we live. I don't know if you know this, but we hear in the gospel that Jesus is born during the reign of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus is arguably the most powerful man to ever live. He controlled the Roman Empire at its very height. And here's the thing, you guys. How did he control his empire? Through love? Nah. Through fear. Through domination. If you messed with Rome, you know what the penalty was? Anybody, you should know the penalty. It's behind me. Crucifixion. In fact, they had a huge rebellion against the the Roman government. It was called the Spartacus Rebellion. And they tried to overthrow the government. They didn't succeed. There were about 2,000 men in that rebellion. You know what they did with them? They took every man and crucified him along the road leading into Rome. Imagine this. Imagine if there was a big rebellion in Bismarck. And a dictator crucified everybody on I-94 from the rest area to the city limit of Bismarck. And you drove into Bismarck. What would you think? I ain't messing with the people of Bismarck. That's what I would think. And that's what Caesar did, was he inspired fear. And that's how he ruled. It's at this time, this exact time, when arguably the most powerful man to ever live, 
is when Jesus is born, when God manifests the new idea of power. And this new idea is not through a mighty Caesar, not a general of a great army, not a president. Those are the world's idea of power. God's idea of power? A baby. I would be hard-pressed to find a worse example of power than a baby. What are babies capable of? Nothing. Except love. That's all they got. God's idea is not about violence and fear. It's about self-sacrificial love. That's what's new. That if the world lived that, love would reign. The child Jesus laying in the manger is conveying a truth to us. Don't miss it. And it's, the truth is, power is not about clinging to control and forcing your way. Nah, no, no, no. A baby doesn't do that. A baby is just pure love. Pure dependence. And this is God's new idea. And don't miss this. You know, when Mary gives birth and lays him in the manger, right? Isn't that sweet and beautiful? No, it's not. It's disgusting. It would be like if you had a baby, ladies, and the first thing you did was you, you laid him in your dog dish. I'm serious. And then took pictures. All the dog slobber and stuff on the bowl. You're like, isn't our baby beautiful? Right? And then sent that out as your Christmas card. And despite the wonderful Christmas song, Away in a Manger, Mary did not lay Jesus in the manger because she couldn't find a crib. She laid him in the manger to show to the world that he was meant for us. A manger is a feeding trough. Jesus is laying in it. What does that convey? He is to be our sustenance. His love is to flow through us. And this is the great light. This is the new idea. And the more we live this life of self-gift, the more we turn into Jesus. And the more joy we have. But we live, quite possibly, in the most selfish culture to ever exist. And I really believe that's why people are so depressed and why there's less and less joy in our world. But if you live it, and I mean really live it, joy and love are the byproduct. I want to tell you this story. Maybe you've heard it. I tell it often at weddings. But it really captures everything that I want to talk about this morning. When I was a second year as a priest, I was down by St. Anthony and Huff. And there was a couple down there. Beautiful couple, old, older couple, but they were awesome. They were just totally in love with each other. And not like, you know, like, like holding hands, like weird stuff. You know, like he'd always slap her on the butt and then like at wedding dances, they'd be kissing in the corner and everybody's like, that's kind of cool, but kind of weird, you know, because you're old. No offense to the elderly, but, but it was neat because you don't really see that very often. Well, his wife got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she died in two months. And when I was at the funeral, it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. This man just sat by the coffin the entire time he didn't leave. And he just wept and wept and wept. And holding in his hand, he had a little crucifix. And I looked down in the coffin and she had her hands folded with the rosary around it. And she was holding a little crucifix. And these crosses were so used and worn that the body of Jesus almost was not even visible. And I looked at him and I said, Pete, what's the deal with the crosses? And he said, oh, Father, when we got married, the priest gave us these little crucifixes and said, 
Whenever you get mad, whenever you want to fight, whenever you don't want to forgive, whenever you want to say something you know you're going to regret, let go and look at those crosses and realize what he did for you and then do it for your spouse. And he said, Father, we just tried to do that to the best of our ability. I looked at this cross every day. It's the only thing that makes sense then and now. And I said to him, I said, Pete, I never asked, how long were you two married? And he said the most beautiful words I've ever seen a married man say. He said, Father, not long enough. That's what we want, right? I think that's what every human heart wants. A love that lasts like that. But it only comes if you live in a certain way. He showed us. We have to play our part. But like the great author John Milton wrote in Paradise Lost, most people think it better to rule over and be like a king in hell than to serve somebody as a slave in heaven. On this Christmas day, what will you choose? Because most are choosing the life of selfishness. He gave us the model to follow, but we have to live it. The Prince of Peace has come, and he reverses the logic of the world, which is the logic of sin and selfishness. And he reveals to us the logic of God, the truth that power and love belong together. They're not separate. The ring of power has been destroyed by the strangest of all people, a helpless little baby boy. Cruelty and malice and hatred have been swallowed up by God. And a new life has been revealed to us today, laying in a manger. That is the power and the good news that we celebrate this Christmas day.